The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. I'm Heather. I am Pastor Nick's wife, if you haven't guessed. Um, Nice to be with you this morning. The human brain is pretty remarkable. I was thinking about this um, a couple weeks ago, that in our brain, in just a matter of a couple of seconds, we are able to experience old memories. We can hear voices from our past. We can see entire movie scenes. We can sort of conjure up a memory of, of maybe a band playing and what that sounds like. With just a word or a smell, we can experience something in our mind's eye. When I was in eighth grade, my teacher, my English teacher, would have us write down in our journals. She'd say, take them out and just go with your stream of consciousness. Whatever comes to mind, put it to paper. It doesn't matter about your spelling or your punctuation. Just see where your thoughts take you today. And when I was thinking about this message and the series that we're in, Spreading the Cheer, I stopped with the word cheer and I just let my mind take me somewhere. And usually... With words, I always think of a song. Do you do this and then burst out into a song because somebody just said a certain word? Anybody else? Nobody's going to admit that you do that? Oh, good. Some other people do. Anyway, you're weird like me. Um, So we're going to do this exercise really quick, just for a couple of seconds in your own minds. I'm going to say the word cheer. What comes through your mind? Okay, so I did the stream of consciousness with the word cheer, and I'm going to tell you what came to my mind as I was writing down some things and see if these are the things that came to your mind with the word cheer. So first of all, I'm not proud to admit it, but the first thing that came to mind was, oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? Yes, yes, you and I, yes, okay. (laughs) So cheerleader led me to my friend in high school, Trina McNeely, with her cute little ponytail and her, ready? Okay. Cheerleading. Yes. Cheer, cheerful. That brought me to my grandpa, and I could hear his voice saying, God loveth a cheerful giver. It was fun to experience and think about somebody from your past, too. So cheer, cheerful. That led me to my cheer bear from when I was a kid. He was my favorite care bear, cheer bear with a rainbow on his chest. Some of you in here, I won't, I won't point you out, might be afraid of care bears. Yes? Where are you? You know who you are, Ben. <laughs> and then I thought about how annoying it is when people say cheer zine. Like it's toasting people and we just exclaim cheer, right? Cheers. Not, we're not cheersing people? No? Okay. I'm the only one that that annoys. Okay. So cheer, cheer. Then I thought of Christmas is here bringing good cheer. That was the next thing that came to mind. Carol of the bells. Ding, dong, ding, dong. Because you got to sing it like that. And then best of all, this was probably my favorite with the word cheer that came to mind was Buddy the Elf. Not Ryan the Elf, but Buddy the Elf. And in the the mall, he's been taken into having this job that he, just because he was in costume, they assumed that he worked there, and he meets Jovi, and he said, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Did anybody have that sing go through your minds when I said cheer? No, or you guys are all liars. I don't know. Yes, okay, thank you. I love that movie. So last week, Nick opened us up with Spread the Cheer, and this 
Christmas season should be a season of cheer. And like Buddy the Elf, we should be singing loud for all to hear. Except maybe not early in the morning, because like the Proverbs said, does it say, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. I, for one, as a non-morning person, feel like that's true. Sometimes my husband will sing songs in the morning, and I'm like, be quiet. I don't like the morning. Anyway, where, uh, where was I? Christmas is cheerful, right? <laughs> um, so last week, Nick uh, took us through Mary and Elizabeth and the story of spreading the cheer. And he said a couple of things that I wanted to revisit as we continue on our, se- our series on spreading the cheer. He said, we have to train ourselves for cheer. Think about that for a second, that word training. Training implies it's work. If we train, it means we do something over and over and over, repeating it until it becomes muscle memory and becomes normal and natural, and we don't have to think about it anymore. And we have to do that with cheer, because there isn't always cheer around us. Sometimes the world is doom and gloom, and it takes a little work on our part to counteract that, even within ourselves. He also said that celebration disarms negativity, which made me think of something my youth pastor said years ago. He said, are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Meaning, do you just reflect what's going on around you and just report back, mirror that? Or do you set the tone in a room that you walk into? So I, for one, happen to agree with Buddy the Elf that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And just like we have to train ourselves to see cheer around us, we have to train our words and our tongues to spread cheer. Think about the beauty of what happened last week at the end of service, how powerful those words were as people began to just share what God is doing in their lives. I mean, in second service, I think we had a couple of different women say, I've been healed of cancer. And somebody said, my son was sick two years ago, but now he is healed and healthy I've been set free from anxiety or depression, and people just began to say, this is what God is doing. That was a beautiful and powerful moment, and probably one of my favorites ever in church. It was really special, but it's because of the power of words being shared in spreading the cheer. So as we look at Luke 1, this is where Nick talked about last week. He was in Luke 1, and he really took us through the encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. And today I want to talk about the parallel between Zachariah and Mary. And both of these two people have a Buddy the Elf moment where they sing songs. And maybe in your Bible it even says if you look at all the different headings and you go down, there's one that's set probably, in most Bibles says, Mary's song. And then further down, it will say Zachariah's song, that they have a song that they sing, which leads me to all kinds of questions. I mean, like, was this just an impromptu tune? Did they maybe, like new words to an old song that they knew? How did that song go? I mean, what did it feel like a musical or something that they, you know, oh, and then just burst out into song? Do you ever think, when, as you're reading the Bible or even throughout history, think like, when I get to heaven, I hope that I can replay that moment and see that moment. I always think that. That's what I want to see is as they musical it into their song. Um, so let's go and let's trace Zachariah and Mary's uh, song. What brings them to their song? Because by the time Zachariah gets to his song, we've had an entire chapter's worth of a story. And what brings the, each of them to that moment of praising and lifting up their song of cheer is two very different things. So Zachariah, he is a priest and he's working in the temple and an angel comes to see him. And then we have Mary, his cousin, who is a young girl who is about to be married 
And she also has a visit from Gabriel, the same angel. Zechariah is an old man, not my words, that's the words of the NIV. He and his wife are very old, is what it says, and they are unable to have a baby. So for decades, they've not been able to have a baby when Gabriel appears to him. Mary will have her time with the angel about six months after Zechariah, and Zechariah is in the temple just doing his job when Gabriel comes. So let's trace that parallel. Both Mary and Zechariah are gripped by fear when the angel comes to them. Makes sense, right? I mean, if an angel suddenly appeared to me, that would really freak me out too. So they're both afraid. The angel, Gabriel, addresses each of them by their names. Says, Zachariah, Mary, don't be afraid. That's what he says to both of them. And then he takes a moment with each of them to let them know that God has taken notice of them. To Zachariah, he says, God's heard your prayers. God's heard you and your wife and Elizabeth are about to bear a son. But to Mary, he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. So he takes a moment to let them know, like, the the most holy God in heaven has seen you. And then to Zechariah, or Gabriel tells both of them that they will have a son. So again, the parallel keeps coming down, all these things. Both of their times with Gabriel, the angel, are really, really similar you're going to have a son, and then he says, and I'm going to tell you what to name it. To Zachariah, he says John. To Mary, he says Jesus. And then there's several verses in both of their times with Gabriel that says, and this is what your son will mean to the world. This is what he will do. Both Zachariah and Mary's, Mary have similar reactions to their unexpected news of this baby that's coming. They both are a little confused and obviously really surprised. Zachariah is surprised because he's had decades of wanting to have a baby and it hasn't happened and now he's old. Mary's surprised because she's not even married. And in a day and age that, where that was not normal, I mean, she could get in big trouble for, for having a baby without being married. It could even mean to the end of her life, honestly. So then the parallel continues. Gabriel tells them they're going to have this baby, goes through all that, and they both have a question. They're both surprised and confused by this, and they both ask him a question. Zachariah says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And this is where our parallel ends. They've both been met with Gabriel. They both had this time, and things have gone the same. But let's see what happens next. To their questions, they, they get a very, very polar opposite, different reaction from Gabriel, the angel. To Zachariah's, how can I be sure of this? In verse 19, it says, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. Let's look and see what Gabriel says to Mary after she says, how can this be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is already in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything 
you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What? They both ask the same, nearly the same question. Zachariah is struck mute. Mary is just given a little bit of, it's going to be fine. Yep, we're good. A little reassurance, a little further information, which is what Zachariah was asking for too. Why the stark difference in the reactions? Why do they get two different results? And I really chewed on this for a couple of weeks. I was like, what is going on? I mean, that seems rather harsh for poor Zachariah. He's had decades of not having a baby, and so he just wants a little more information just like Mary. He was a little confused. But if we read this in a different version which I did. I read several different versions. I read them several times. I even back to the, went back to the original Greek and tried to compare like words that they use, like why the different outcomes. The NSB states Zachariah's reaction as, how will I know this for certain? The message is always really, really plain and clear language. I love it. But it says, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. <laughs> Mary's response is like, is in the NASB, NASB, I'm sorry, is this. How can this be since I am a virgin? Or the message, but how? I've never slept with a man. They seem similar, but there is a pretty stark difference. When you go back to the original wording that they use, there's this word, no. In Greek, it's gnosko that is used in Zachariah's response that Mary doesn't say. And that word means to know, to get knowledge of. Zachariah is saying, I want to know, know that this is really true. Not just know, but I want to know. Give me some more proof. An angel appearing to me and saying that this is going to happen is not enough proof. I need proof. His answer comes from a heart of unbelief. I don't believe you, is what he's saying. But Mary's response comes more from a like, okay, but how, how is this going to work? A place of acceptance, but just a little confusion. Because their responses reveal a difference in their hearts, their outcomes were polar opposite. Verse 20 also says, I read through it, but maybe you didn't catch it the first time, but it says, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Zechariah answers from a place of unbelief, and that is why he has a polar opposite, different outcome than Mary has. Mary is exuberant in her joy. She's excited. And honestly, she, of the two of them, probably has less reason to be excited. She is an unmarried teenager <laughs> about to have a baby versus a man who had waited decades and prayed and asked and is married. He and his wife would be more than overjoyed to have a baby, and yet, in that moment, he is doubting. Mary is overjoyed, and she's quick to praise the Lord for it. And Zechariah is unable to spread the cheer. Honestly, this is a time when he should have been painting the town red with his cheer, and so excited about the coming baby. And yet, he is in a tongue time out because of his unbelief. Zechariah's words showed his lack of trust in God, and that is why he's in a time to, tongue timeout. When he most wants to tell everybody what God has done, he isn't even able to. 
And this leads me to the question, how many of us, are you ready for it? You know what's coming probably. How many of us need a tongue timeout? Maybe our words, like Zacharias, reveal the unbelief in our hearts, that we are on board with what God is doing in our lives. Maybe our words reveal something deeper going inside of us, some jealousy or unforgiveness, complaints, a lack of gratitude. The Bible has so much to say about the tongue. And I do want to say this. Maybe we need a tongue timeout, and that timeout phrase makes you feel like you're in trouble with God. And I don't really think that that's what it is. Even with our kids, when we put them in timeout, it shouldn't be out of, like, anger. Like, I'm so displeased with you. How could you possibly have done this? No, 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 no. I think that is just a moment to pause and say, okay, you're going down a path that isn't the best for you. You're doing something that is not good. I see where it ends. Just a moment to pause. And I think that that's what we need is a moment for the Lord to say, you're headed down the wrong path. Let's just take a moment to pause. That's what that tongue timeout is. Let's read a little bit about what the Bible has to say about the tongue. Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. Which is why Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows out of it, flows from it. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Those are strong words. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We hold the power of life and death in our words. Wow. Do we live like we believe it? That we hold the power of life and death for the people around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our children? Obviously, the very ultimate goal with our tongues, with our words, is to praise the one who made us, to lift up his name, to make his name famous to show that we are so grateful to what he's, what, for what he's done for us. And both Mary's song and Zachariah's song, if you would read through them, are full of that God praising, lifting up his name. Look what God has done. Mary's, Mary's song starts out in verse 46 and says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Zachariah's song, starting in verse 68, at the end of the chapter, says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. They both go on exuberantly for several verses to praise the Lord and say what he is doing. They both lift him up. Mary, it would seem, was kind of ready from the beginning for that, on board with what God was doing. Yes, yay, I'm, I'm there. Zachariah. Was, his song was uh, nine months in the making. Took him a while to get there. But you better believe the first words he says after his time of adjustment was praise be to the Lord. His first words were a praise of God. His first words, it says in the text, actually caused the neighbors and relatives around him to stop and take notice. 
of what God was doing and to spread the news around. His first words were of prophesying of the future. Think about that. His words, his last words were of unbelief. His last words were of, uh, no, prove it. His first words after the adjustment were of, praise be to God, I'm on board. And then he goes on to prophesy about the future. He didn't believe the future. And after the time of adjustment, he prophesies in great detail. He goes out on a limb and says, and this is what's about to happen with my son. So how many of us could use that word adjustment, a tongue time out, just like Zechariah? James 3 says this, who can tame the tongue? When I was a young girl, I took that as a challenge. Who can tame the tongue? It's almost an impossible task. We are all, you know, in various age. I'm in my 40s now. And it's still a process. It takes a lot. Who can tame the tongue? I say that to myself sometimes after I've said something that was biting or hurtful or not in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing. In my mind, I think, who can tame the tongue? Apparently not me. Let's see what else James has to say in James 3. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is set, also is a fire, a world full of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell, which is why we have the power of life and death in our, t- in our words. Verse 9 goes on to say, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. That we really deceive ourselves if we think we are in good standing with God, and yet we are full of cursing of the people around us. What will we do with our words? If we have the power of life and death, what will we do with them? Will they be full of life? Will they be full of death, negative, hurtful, lying, expressing doubts in God? Or will they be full of blessing and truth and grace, full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the juiciness of the joy of the Holy Spirit, full of faithfulness, goodness? I said it out of order now. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Is that what our words are full of? Are they all sprinkled with that? When we come across the store clerk and she's a little slow, or maybe not doing what we want her to do, are our words full of patience and goodness? When our kids make a mistake, are we quick to point that out and criticize, or are we quick to say, oh, I can see that you worked really hard. Good job and stop there. What are our words full of? Honestly, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, and maybe not singing, but with our tongue. I really believe that, with our words. We come ready with our words all the time. We don't have to prepare ahead of time. It doesn't cost us anything, but with just one split second and one word, we can bring life. We can bring the the nourishment of the fruit of the Holy Spirit to somebody. That is exciting. And as people who follow Christ, we should be first in line to be cheerleaders, to lead the cheer. Think about what a cheerleader does. Some funny movements, possibly, right? Dancing, which I definitely cannot do. 
but they say, let's go Bobcats. Well, except for like this, right? Because they always clap, interestingly. But what if we were like, let's go Bob. Yes, you got this. I love being around you. Man, when you're at work, it's just more fun. Costs you nothing, and yet it notices somebody else and brings life into them instead of death into them. I love that this series comes on the heels of our series about Thanksgiving, because I really believe you can't divorce the two. The spreading cheer and thankfulness come together, because if your heart is full of thankfulness of what God has done in your life, of all the things that he's given you, it is so easy to spread cheer with that. Oh, God is good. When you feel that, how can you not give out good to the people around you? I love how Ephesians 5, 4 in the message talks about thankfulness. I read this a couple of months ago, and I wanted to share it with you. It says this, Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for their language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our lifestyle. Our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Think about that for a second. What is a dialect? A dialect is a way of speaking that reveals where you're from. If I say, hey, y'all, you know exactly where I'm from, right? In the south somewhere. Or if I can talk Boston. Boston or Chicago, mom and college. You know where I'm from because of how I shape my vowels. I can say the exact same words in a different way that reflects where I come from. That's what a dialect is. So if Thanksgiving is our dialect, it should reveal where we're coming from. When I say any word, I hope that you can hear the reflection of Thanksgiving in my heart, because that's my dialect. What is your dialect today? Negative? Backbiting? Unforgiveness? I don't know. Well, maybe it's time for a little tongue time out, a moment to say, ah, Holy Spirit, work in me. I don't have this right. I feel like my words, my dialect has been complaining lately. Do something in me. And I don't know what that looks like practically for you. I'm a really practical person. I wish that I could say like steps one, two, three, and four. Do them, you're good. But we're all individuals and it doesn't work that way. Bob Goff carried around a big bucket in his book. He talks about it, a bucket to remind him He even took it on an airplane, you guys, to remind him, what am I putting, what am I filling my life with? Is it grace? I don't know. Maybe for you, you need to get some cinnamon Altoids and let it burn your tongue and remind you, like, my words burn. I don't know. (laughs) But I encourage you to take some time and just say, Lord, what is in my heart? What are my words revealing that is in my heart? And what is my dialect? I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you so much today, God, that We have the privilege of spreading the good news, spreading the cheer of Jesus, not just in this season, but all the time. God, what a privilege it is, and I pray that you would help us all to get out of the way. God, that the things going on in our hearts, Lord, we would deal with them so that we can get out of the way of the Holy Spirit's words that want to nourish the people around us, that want to bring life and joy and peace, God, to the people that we come in contact with every day. God, that we would spread the cheer of the good news with our words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. 
If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.